Could the Vikings make a big trade during training camp or splash in free agency? And if so, which name should be at the top of the list? We're going to break it all down next on Superior Sports Talk. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it with another episode. Superior Sports Talk presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. Back to the pen today after that flawless outing yesterday. No, I'm not talking about the Twins' new relievers. I'm talking about the one and only Sam Ekstrom, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show, filling in for Reggie again today. Happy Thursday, Sammy. We're almost there. And now I hope I can be as flawless today as the Twins' pen was yesterday. That was an inspiring performance off the trade deadline uh, Lopez, how many pitches that you blinked and the ninth inning was over yesterday? That was incredible. Not even two handfuls. Yeah, big show lined up today because we're talking about who the Vikings could target in free agency and a possible trade market. Plus, the Twins win yesterday thanks to the help of their new pitching staff. It's all coming up on Superior Sports Talk. Remember, follow along on the Lockdown Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button there. And on Twitter, smash that follow button at Lockdown M-I-N. All right. To football we go. 40 days until week one of the NFL season kicks off. That means we're a handful of practices into Viking training camp. And the talk of camp the past two days has been, of course, Irv Smith Jr. The one guy who can't get hurt going down with a finger injury. Hey, at least it wasn't the knee again. Got to find some positives here, Sam. He's now set to miss all of training camp and the preseason. Now, so far, the spotlight has quickly been turned to Johnny Munt and Zach Davidson. And we'll get to them in a second when we talk about yesterday's padded practice. But a quick trip down memory lane reminds us, albeit an old regime, this Viking team has been known to wheel and deal and make some trades during training camp when a starter goes down to injury 2020. Daniil Hunter went down. They swapped a second and a fifth for Yannick Ngakwe. Obviously, that didn't pan out. Zimmer hated his pass rush first approach, couldn't stop the run. He was shipped out not even two months later. And, of course, back when Teddy had that freak injury in practice, they quickly found a trade partner with the Eagles and coughed up a first and fourth rounder for Sam Bradford. So my question is, Sam, if they were to make another trade during training camp this year, and it doesn't even necessarily need to be for a tight end, although that's most likely, but just for this exercise, which position and player would make sense for the team, given what you've seen so far in camp? Yeah, it, it's funny to look back when you think about it, because it was you know, Corey Vedvik, the punter, got traded for in the entering training camp. I think a fifth-round pick, Chris Herndon. Brett Jones was a trade target for this team. So clearly the last regime was not shy about paying and sometimes overpaying for talent right before the season. Don't know how Quazy will feel about that, but I think tight end is most certainly the number one position you would consider. Now, Kevin O'Connell spoke yesterday, and he said, for now, we're sticking with who we have. They're going to see what Johnny Munt can do, what Zach Davidson can do, and I would assume get a better feel for how Herb Smith's recovery is going. If it looks like he is really on track to play week one, maybe they don't feel the need to go overspend to get somebody you know, like a Chris Herndon who doesn't work out at all. Uh, that wouldn't be great. But if you had to target a tight end to go get, who you looking for? Maybe you, uh, you know, cozy on up to your old pal Kevin Stefanski and say, "Hey, are you using this Harrison Bryant guy, this uh, this former third round pick in his third season, who's got 
45 catches catches in his first two years in his career. I'm not sure Cleveland would want to part with him. He has shown glimpses of of doing some nice things with the Browns. The production is average, you know? Like I said, 24 catches one year, 21 the next year, 200-plus yards each year. He's not the focal point there, but could he fill in as depth um, and you know certainly offer you more experience and production than you have with Munt or Davidson? Yes, he could. So um, I think it would come down to price at that point. Do you want to really give up another fourth-round pick for a, a tight end that won't be around long-term or won't be a starter long-term? Probably not, so price would have to be right. Cleveland would have to be looking to move on, maybe save a few bucks, but Bryant is cheap he's under team control for next year as well and he's done a little bit in the league so that's somebody that i would look to yeah that one makes a lot of sense for sure great number two guy with potential to be a number one guy he filled in when david and joku went down last year as well i'm combing through the nfl depth charts to see who's got some tight end depth to spare and the two teams that jump out cardinals we know they love zach Ertz, and they drafted trey mcbride early so why not try to snipe max williams on the cheap as a viable replacement and if nothing else a great number two depth when irv returns he's on the pup right now but he's supposed to be coming back any day so i would think Think you can get him on the cheap and another guy that caught my eye is indianapolis colts tight end mo alley cox they drafted jelani woods from virginia on day three and everything i'm hearing is they love the kids so seeing if they would part with mo alley cox on the cheap is another phone call i'd try to make just to soften the blow of losing Irv for the time being. When it comes to the Vikings making a trade, though, another lens to look at this question through is what if they were to trade someone away from their roster? What position do you think that they think they have some extra depth to part with as it stands now? A player that could still offer up some value to a team in a pinch because... I keep going back to this 2021 class. I think I bring it up every day. And four third-round picks, I got to imagine after just one year, the entire league can't view all four of those early picks as busts already. Can you take a guy like Patrick Jones or Chaz Surratt and move either one of them for a fifth-round pick? Plenty of bodies at edge and linebacker right now on the second and third teams. I think they could part ways with one of those guys and still feel confident in your depth. Wyatt Davis, another one. Hey, if you're not going to use him, see what you can get. It's only been one year, and no one even has seen him out on the actual playing field. We've got practice to glean from, Sam, but 31 other teams have no film to confirm that. So, yeah, he might just be actually bad, but what do you think? Is there a player or two that you would feel okay with them parting ways from what you've seen at camp and maybe getting some draft compensation back for Quasey next year? Yeah, that's an interesting question because, you know, a lot of times these camp trades happen when one team is desperate. If they mm -hmm. don't have a spot uh, or a starting spot that they really need to fill or maybe somebody gets hurt, uh, that's when you can maybe get a little more than value. So you look at some of these candidates and the names you mentioned, I think that they're disappointing for one reason or another, right? Like Wyatt Davis is disappointing and any team that is on the phone is going to say, okay, well, what's wrong with the guy? I mean, clearly you don't just get rid of a good offensive lineman in his right. second year, so we're not going to give you more than a, a seventh-round pick in 2028. Uh, so it, you're not going to get riches in gold, but maybe a veteran, uh, maybe someone like Chris Reed. If you don't feel like 
you really need that extra depth piece. Chris Reed is a veteran who has plenty of experience and would fit in really nicely as either a swing guard or even like a temporary starting guard on somebody's roster. I think someone like that would make sense if you're confident in what you have on your interior. Now, I don't know if you should feel confident. Uh, you'd probably need to see some some pretty nice strides from Ed Ingram to really get to that point of comfort. But I do look look at someone like that as more of a trade piece than the young guy in Wyatt Davis who just people just aren't going to buy it. They're not going to give you anything for that player. Whereas if someone does have a proven track record, like a Chris Reed, I could see them parting with him. I mean, I know they uh, they tried to trade, uh, I think it was Pat Elfline a couple of years ago. You know, weren't any takers. So uh, you got to be, you know, realistic about what you're going to get. But yeah, I mean, I think I think Chris Reed would make sense. Yeah, I don't know much, but I do know whoever they bring in, they better be packing some Built Bars. Built Bar made with collagen protein, so it's easily digestible, provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15. Yeah, free agency, the other obvious route to go here. Is there a guy just sitting out there waiting for the phone to ring you'd like to see the front office bring in? J.C. Treader gets all the attention, as he should. Arguably the top free agent in the entire pool, outside of maybe OBJ. And it just happens to fill your biggest weakness. But when I come to tight end free agents, you've got Eric Ebron, Michael Pruitt, former Viking, Jared Cook, Jimmy Graham. Not exactly any star-studded talent there. But who's your top free agent? If I told you the Vikes went out and signed someone today which name are you hoping it would be yeah there's some some big names out here man i mean you got some veterans that have been pro bowlers in this league that are just sitting you know waiting for a phone call waiting for somebody to get hurt you've got a lot of former vikings sheldon richardson linval joseph uh xavier rhodes but i'm of course looking to that center position I'm looking to J.C. Treader. I mean, it's clear to me that J.C. Treader is just waiting for the perfect opportunity because no doubt he's had suitors and has not pulled the trigger yet. This guy is way too good to be sitting on the market. I mean, it's it's crazy how long he's been there, to be honest with you. Um, the Vikings should use their remaining cap space and go get the guy. I'm watching practice, and I'm seeing Garrett Bradbury getting bowled over in one-on-ones by Dalvin Tomlinson. I'm seeing Chris Reed unable to execute a shotgun snap to Kellen Mond. Center position's not great right now, and I just tank Chris Reed's trade value, by the way. Don't let any other teams get this. <laughs> um, but J.C. Treader, instant upgrade. There's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't try to make that work. Um, and every day that goes by, I would think that Treader gets more and more antsy to find a home, and that price probably is inching down a little bit. So... Keep keep working the phones, Quazy. Don't uh, let a good player who legitimately helps your offensive line just go by the wayside. Yeah, Treader makes sense for so many reasons. You're right. Turning a weakness into a strength oh, would be so nice. I'm still on the Nadamik and Sue train. Sounds like Armin Watts has flashed a little bit, but getting a third defensive lineman with that kind of size and power that can play all three positions would offer so much versatility in what they could do schematically with Ed Donatel. And to have Watts then as your fourth guy in the rotation, all of a sudden that's a lot more imposing just on paper for sure. If that's too big of a name, maybe too much money, or they don't like the background, the baggage he comes with, how about just dropping a 
tier and that second tier. How about Limbaugh Joseph bringing him back home? I think that would be another guy. But adding one more piece, whether it's a starter or just depth on this defensive line, is certainly a priority when I look at this depth chart as it is. Last one, real quick, full padded practice yesterday. No Irv, Dalvin Limited, Jesse Davis, your starter at right guard, Chris Reed, the backup center. Give us two or three of your top notes and observations from yesterday's practice. Yeah, Greg Joseph, beast. I mean, Greg Joseph had, had his first, and I've been pretty down on, on the decision to not bring in competition for yeah, Greg you Joseph. Have. Yep. I have, mm -hmm. and, and I, I still stand by it. But yesterday, I got to report the facts. He was really good. Um, had his first big kicking session of camp that I've seen. I think he had one at U.S. Bank Stadium, but it was the first kicking session he's had at TCO. Uh, which is a changeup. Most of the, the the previous regime always had the kickers going every day. I mean, they would have four to six kicks every day into practice. Today was the first time they really let Joseph loose. I think he had eight kicks, crushed them all. He was kicking beyond 50 and making it by a long shot. I stood right below the goalpost, saw it coming right down the middle, flying over the crossbar. Uh, really encouraging session from Greg Joseph. Another day where, you know, a little discouraged with Kellen Mond. I know we'll uh, we'll probably get into that a little bit in our Minnesota football party show, dropping today being Thursday. Um, but Kellen Mond, you know, struggling to handle the snaps, couple picks, not getting to his first reads, just not loving that backup quarterback situation. And they were trying to get him snaps with the twos, Luke, and, and it's just not going very well. Um, but you know who I like who's catching my eye just a little bit, Luke Inman? Ty Chandler. Mm. I think Ty Chandler, fifth-round pick, rookie, uh, he's got some flash to him. And if they do have running back injury, you know, and Dalvin Cook's been injury-prone, Kene Wangwu has already been injury-prone in his short career, might be good to have that number four guy. So to, to see Ty Chandler, you know, delivering some of that uh, of the goods that they hoped for when they drafted him, I think that's an encouraging sign. Even though running back's not the most important position ever, it is good to have depth. And, uh, and I think Ty Chandler is making a, a strong case to at least be on, like, you know, the 53-man roster, like, activated on game days to the point where they could maybe trust him with a few carries. Not going to lie, didn't love the Ty Chandler pick right out the gate that draft weekend. Went back, watched some tape. People may not remember this. He was drafted from North Carolina. He actually transferred from Tennessee. Boy, did I see some light similar shades of Alvin Kamara at Tennessee. Catching passes mm. out of the backfield. Really going to be intriguing to see how they use him, possibly in the passing game. And when you look at Alexander Madison, as much as I love the guy, writing may be on the wall for him to become a free agent and leave the team next year. Look at the long-term plan here. All of a sudden, you still got Dalvin Cook, Ken Nwangu, and Ty Chandler for the future. That's a great one, two, three punch for sure. Vikes get a breather today. Training camp resumes tomorrow, where they'll start a stretch of four practices in a row, three of the four being padded practices. So a nice time to regroup here today. And then when they come back tomorrow, huge stretch for all three phases as they continue to ramp it up and digest the playbook. Tell us what you think. Get some healthy debate going. We want to hear from you. Go comment on the YouTube channel. 40 days until week one of the NFL season. Rest assured, Sam, Ron, Reggie, and I got you covered every step of the way, every day on Locked On Sports Minnesota. All right.
To baseball we go. Twins get their first taste of the benefits of their pitching help they acquired at the deadline. Both Fulmer and Lopez came into the game to help shut down the Tigers and come away with a win by a score of 4-1. to one. The other acquisition not many talked about, catcher Sandy Leon, came up clutch with a two-run double, and Joe Ryan pitched a jam going five innings, allowing just three hits, one earned with nine Ks. The one-two combo, though, of Johan Duran and Jorge Lopez in the eighth and ninth was a lot of fun to watch. Super solid. Ring them up, sit them down. Exactly what the Twins needed with both Cleveland and Chicago winning yesterday as well. Twins lead remains at just one over the Guardians. Sam, quick thoughts and takeaways from yesterday's game. You love to see it. You love to see those immediate impacts. Didn't expect anything from Sandy Leone you know, right away. He goes in, only goes two for three. No big deal. No big deal. Uh, two, two RBIs. Gigantic game in his debut. Jorge Lopez, gigantic close or save. What am I talking about? In his, uh, He's a closer in his debut. Michael Fulmer, nice clean seventh inning. That's the back end of the bullpen that you you want going forward. So now a little bit of a test. Now you got Toronto. That's a much better offense than Detroit. Four games against the Blue Jays. Um, you're going to need to lean on them. You're going to need to see um, a couple appearances from Lopez, a couple appearances from Fulmer, and, of course, you get the start from Tyler Malley on Friday. So you've got uh, 100% uh, a need for these guys, and they show up right away, and they, they get the job done. So you see... Good stuff from Leon, good stuff from Fulmer, good stuff from Lopez. That's the trifecta, Luke Genman, and some clutch hitting in the late innings from the Twins as well. Um, they're clinging to that lead, Bill. It, it is tenuous right now. I feel like as far as momentum is concerned, Cleveland still has it. Cleveland's winning more ball games. Uh, the Twins, though, get the reinforcements. I guess I, and this is my bad for not re- looking it up, did Cleveland and the White Sox have an active trade deadline day like uh, Cleveland did absolutely nothing and I don't think the White Sox did much of anything we're gonna get to the yeah. ESPN power rankings here in just a second but I know they mentioned Cleveland did literally nothing they were silent at the trade deadline and Chicago doesn't look like they did much if anything at all it mentions Tim Anderson's recent suspension bumping the umpire but outside of that I don't see any name worthy really uh, guys to mention here so yeah you're right yeah I mean I know Cleveland wasn't really supposed to win this year they they were mm-hmm. kind of in like a pseudo tank mode so and I, I know that that people are frustrated with their uh unwillingness to spend money and and kind of trying to build on the cheap so maybe they didn't want to give up any pieces they didn't want to sacrifice the farm system because they weren't positioned to be a competitor this year but man it's tough when you're in the race whether you meant to be or not it's got to be tough to just kind of mail it in and not add help to your team. The message that sends to your clubhouse and your fans. Chicago, though, Chicago was supposed to win this year. Chicago was supposed to run away with the Central Division. Tony Larusa has been pilloried for his efforts as manager, and here they are in third place. That's a team that I would think would have wanted to invest a lot of assets to get better. So maybe the Twins just outbid everybody. Maybe the Twins just were willing to pony up the most. They felt the best about, you know, their chances to to make a run with this roster. And good for them for actually being really aggressive and, and you know, doing coming out 
um, the better of all those three teams in the AL Central. Cleveland definitely feels like they have the momentum on the field, but off the field and into the front office, the moves that the Twins made certainly gives a lot of fans a lot of hope for the long-term stretch here as we're in the thick of the summer. Buxton, by the way, just feels like he's at like 80% at most when you watch him. Something's still not right there. Going to be huge to get him back to his healthy self if they want to make a serious run at this thing. A weekly tradition on the show, I just mentioned it with Reggie and I, ESPN's newest power rankings are up. Twins, despite the moves, dropped from 10 to 13. That's the lowest I've seen them in a handful of weeks. Guardians just one spot behind them and the White Sox at 16. Sam, the article mentions... Minnesota's dropped 12 of 19 games dating back to July 6th. During that span, the Twins have given up 5.8 runs per game, the second most in the majors, and only mm-hmm. two teams have given up more home runs. Of course, the Twins hope their deadline pickups will bolster the staff, as we've mentioned, but the guys on hand need to get going as well. Well, Joe Ryan bounced back in a big way yesterday, so that's a good sign, but quick thoughts on the power rankings and their thoughts on the Twins specifically. Yeah, how many of those bombs did Joe Ryan give up in that one game? Right, last, last Friday against the yeah. Padres. Right, mm-hmm. yeah, that I think five in one game total for the staff. So, uh, I think I think that's about right. I know record wise, and I don't know it. It changes every day, but at one point the Twins had the thirteenth best record in baseball, um, and they were fortunate enough to be in first place. But thirteenth best in baseball, yeah, they're they're one hundred percent benefiting from a bad division. I think if they weren't in the Central, if they were in the East, I think they would be kind of nip and tuck with that wild card mark. They would be, you know, kind of tenuous there on the edge. But as it is, you know, they're they're leading the division. So I think the way that the the arrow is trending with the way that that the, the results have been going for the Twins, I think 13th makes sense. I don't think that the trade deadline acquisitions are enough to, like, you know, put them in the top five, like the Padres, for instance, who went and got every good player on the market. Uh, The Twins didn't necessarily do that. But I think that they can get that arrow trending upward. Luke, they need a winning streak. They can't just have, you know, a a win here, loss, win, loss, seesaw, Mm -hmm. uh, like they've had of late. They got to string some together like they did back in May. And they've got a tough schedule. It's going to be hard to do. Uh, so they're going to need to beat teams that are better than them and not only beat them, but win series against those teams if they want to stay afloat in this division because their schedule in August is probably the toughest of the three teams, the the White Sox, the Guardians, and the Twins. Yeah, they started out hot, but you're right. The last two months, just no identity and no momentum at all. No feel. You're right. They win a couple, they lose a couple. They win big, they lose big. No identity exactly before this deadline. Now we know they're kind of pushing some chips all in to try to go win this division, but just couldn't really get a feel. Is it like, all right, is Carlos Correa really going to leave after one year? All right, so what are we going to do this year? Are we going to trade him before the trade deadline? Nobody had any idea exactly what this identity was of this Twins team. You mentioned the tough schedule four-game homestand, at least it's at home in the backyard at Target Field, starts today against the Blue Jays. Sonny Gray on the mound there, first pitch, 6.40 p.m. Last quick blurb about the power rankings. The Dodgers finally leaped, snuck past the Yankees for first place. Yankees dropped to number two after going 13-13 and in the month of July. Surprising if you don't keep up with the scores every single day to realize that the Yankees have been just a 500 team this month. Something to keep an eye on for sure. All right. 
The time has come. My favorite segment's here. I'm putting Sam on the hot seat, covering all the latest hot topics with what does it mean. First up, Timberwolves stud Anthony Edwards was recently quoted saying, after this year, I think I'll be in the best player conversation. What does it mean when it comes to Ant's ceiling, his potential in the NBA both next season and in his career as one of the best superstars in the league? We know he's a freak, he's young, he's just tapping into this talent, but how realistic is it we start to mention him in the same group as Jokic, Embiid, Greek Freak, Luka, KD, Curry. I mean, that's like top of the mountain. I mean, it doesn't get any better when it comes to just pure talent in the NBA. Can he get there with just one more season under his belt? Yeah, I feel like the NBA is a little different than other leagues. Like, I look at NFL, you know, Justin Jefferson, for instance, Jamar Chase. Those guys are first and second year players, um, now second and third year players. They're already in that conversation um, for, for best receivers in the league. NHL, like a lot of your stars are the youngest guys. Um, MLB, you know, a lot of your stars are the younger guys. And I think people are willing to sort of embrace those younger players and, and, and put them at the top of the, of the pedestal. I feel like NBA, there's just so many legacy players. There's so many players that are, are 10 years in who have done this for a decade that you can't just unseat those guys. I mean... Jokic, uh, Curry, Antetokounmpo, you know, LeBron obviously is, you know, like the greatest of all time, but there's so many good guards in this league. I mean, Anthony Edwards is amazing. I love Anthony Edwards. I think he's going to be incredible, but you know, I look at Donovan Mitchell. I look at Jamal Murray just within the, the division. You know, those guys aren't that different from Anthony Edwards either. Now, in terms of ceiling, like the question is not, if Anthony Edwards stays who he is, he's a great player. The question is whether he can take another step and then another step to get to that uh, legendary status. So we don't know that yet. We don't know if there's another level to his game. I think a lot of people assume there is. They hope there is. Um, and he clearly is putting himself there, too. He believes that he's going to get there. And he will have to get better. So that's going to mean driving to the basket more aggressively, finishing better, shooting even better. Uh, there are more levels to which he can go. Because I think right now, I think he is sort of in that, you know, preparing to break through. But I still kind of see him the same way I see other good guards in this league. Um, I don't see him as transcendent yet. I think that there's still a lot of room for him to get better. And on a, on a roster like the Wolves have, he's going to be in great position to do that. But I got to see it first. Yeah, the other guy that's getting a little love here, I don't know if you saw this, uh, yesterday Seattle legend Jamal Crawford said about Jaden McDaniels, once his offense is unlocked, you're looking at somebody who's so fluid, six foot nine, can handle the ball, make plays, very smooth. He doesn't get talked about a ton. T-Wolves didn't want to trade him away for obvious reasons in that Rudy Gobert trade, but... What's the potential to just like an, a surface NBA fan like myself? Because I'm starting to hear a lot of buzz and love about Jaden McDaniels. How good can this guy be? What are the expectations for you going into this season? Yeah, I think McDaniels is pretty well positioned as like a fifth or a fourth or fifth option on a team, which I think it probably fits him right now. He came into his own in the playoffs, Luke. I I, I went a lot of a lot of the years saying. You know, I love McDaniel's length and I like his defensive prowess, but I don't love a guy who's not offensively gifted being on the floor that much. Well, in, he kind of proved me wrong in the postseason. He was a clutch shot maker. He started shooting a little bit from distance. 
Um, and just those long arms, man, he, he's able to, to get to the rim, it seems, with ease. And the way that he can lock people down on the perimeter, he does bring a lot to the table. So it's, it's all about, again, three-point game in this league. you got to shoot the three. Can he excel from the perimeter, force the defense to close out more on him, then he gets more effective off the dribble, and then it all connects. But there's pressure on him now, too, because he was the centerpiece, or not the centerpiece, but like the key asset that the Timberwolves didn't want to give up in the Gobert trade. So his name got thrown out there a lot. So now people nationally are scratching their heads saying, whoa, you valued Jaden McDaniels that much that you would give up four first-round picks? Like Bill Simmons the day after was just flabbergasted on his podcast. You know, why would you, why would you value Jaden McDaniels that much? So now there's some doubters. There's some people that are intrigued about Jaden McDaniels. I'm intrigued about Jaden McDaniels, what step he's going to take. Um, unfortunately, Luke, if he takes the step, you know what's going to happen. Paying Gobert, paying Ant, they're paying Cat. Mm. There's not going to be room for Jaden McDaniel. No money if he, left if he becomes a stud. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you're 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 kind of you're you're faced with that problem now going forward. That if someone does emerge on this roster in the next few years, probably can't pay them what they're worth. So you're gonna you're gonna lose some guys by committing so much to the two that you have now, and eventually the third in uh, Anthony Edwards. Yeah, Summer League just ended, I believe. NBA season will be coming up before we know it. NFL's just over a month away. NHL season will be starting. Summer's over, Sam. It's over. Forget about it. It was a good run. State, State Fair coming up. State Fair coming up. It's over. These, these mornings are already a little crispy when I walk outside. Starting to get a little crispy, a little <laughs> dewy out there, Sam. You're right. All right, that's a wrap today. Back here tomorrow, breaking down more Twins, Vikes, plenty more. Remember to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. He's Sam Ekstrom. Follow him on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Sam, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing off. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman. Part of Locked On Sports Minnesota.